When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Playlist Podcast, a show about film news, uh, reviews, discussion, whatever pop culture items we see fit. I'm Ryan Oliver and today I'm joined by a very special guest. He is a video contributor and writer for the Playlist. He is also the co-host of Men vs. Movies. Griffin Schiller, welcome to the show. Hey Ryan, thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, I'm glad to be on here. I, I've always enjoyed listening to you and Rod's uh conversations but now i get to be a part of the conversation so it's it's gonna be a good time it's gonna be a great time very excited to have you on here before we get into the episode proper i just want to say this episode is part of the playlist podcast network so if you enjoy this show be sure to subscribe to us via stitcher via itunes via soundcloud however you get your podcasts and you'll get this show as well as adjust your tracking as well as be real uh, any of our other shows hopefully we have you covered whatever your jam is uh, we hope to have it so um so today we're going to do a little bit. I'm going to ask uh, you, Griffin, what you've been checking out recently, and then we're going to co- cover a couple news items, and then we're going to dive into a review of Longshot, the newest yeah. comedy from Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Um, but before we dive into that, uh, just briefly, what 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 have you been catching up with recently? So, um, well, I'll save what I saw last night for um, for last. But I, a couple days ago, and I can't really say too much about it because I am under embargo. But I, I was able to put out social reactions, so I'll just uh, say that a couple days ago I saw John Wick three. And if you're interested in my social reaction on that, you can go uh, check out my Twitter at Griff Schiller. But um, yeah, needless to say, I was I was very excited about that one. Um, other than that, I the past couple days I've been wa- binging Barry. Uh, I I hadn't watched it. I I've been like told by everyone around me that I needed to watch Barry, and that like last week's episode was nuts. Just that that off the wall, super stylized um, hit gone wrong. Um, and and I've just fallen in love with the show, and now I'm just like a major advocate for everyone to just go watch Barry, especially because the episodes are only like 30 minutes long, so it's really not even that much of a commitment. I, I went through the first season in like a day, and then I'm all, already caught up on season two, so I'm I'm loving that. So I, I don't know if you watch Barry at all, but... I don't, and I, it's high on my list. It's pretty much the next thing I'm going to start for television. Yeah. Mainly, same boat as you. Everyone has been raving about the episode that um, played the other night. It's kind of like the opposite of Game of Thrones, where like that episode yeah. was met with such a mixed reaction, but then the Barry reaction was just like, this is incredible. And I'm like, I need to start watching this show. So it is, it is high on my list of things to start watching. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just fr- from like a from a technical standpoint, from just like a from a performance standpoint, from it, it it's it's done in real time and it's got like this real like tension to it. I I don't know. I I ate every bit of it up and um I was looking at like interviews for it. Not it and it's not really going to give anything away, but it um 
uh, th- one of the uh, inspirations for it was like an episode of The Sopranos, which was kind of like a, a one-off where um, they're like in the woods or something, and they're and they're going on a hit or or whatnot, and just kind of watching Bill Hader talk about that, um, and then like them showing like clips of that. It was it was really uh, it was really cool. But um, anyway, so yeah, there you go. Go watch Barry if you're not doing so. <laughs> uh, the the next thing which I believe you have seen that that I saw was uh, Detective Pikachu. I saw that last night and absolutely loved it and i know you're going to be talking about that next week but um i thought it was like it, it was it's it was kind of like the perfect mix of like the aesthetic of blade runner but it had like that that gumshoe detective feel of like robert roger rabbit um and then it surprisingly had like a, a really mature and um resonant like heart to it something that i didn't really expect going into it uh dealing with like damaged relationships and so that was that was powerful and probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me was how it was just universally a film for everyone uh it is probably the truest family adventure film i've seen in in a little bit and so i i really appreciated that because they don't they don't dumb anything down for the kids they treat the kids with respect but there's enough like stuff in there for the adults to really sink their teeth into and all around it's just, it's just a, a really enjoyable time so I, I had fun with it and i can't wait to go see that again i want to see it again too and and you're right i have seen it, it uh i agree with a lot of things you're saying uh, i'm going to be a little mum because we are going to talk about it on next week's episode um but if you uh listeners you are interested in my thoughts i do have a review up at the playlist.net that just dropped today uh so i highly recommend checking that out and um yeah, it's it's a pretty night and day, like, visually anyway. I agree about, like, the Blade Runner aesthetic and, like, how just fully realized the world of Pokemon is in the movie. Yeah. It, it's, like, kind of night and day from the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer that dropped <laughs> yeah. this week. Where yeah, it, yeah. That's more, a little bit more like a, a, what would you say, like, Garfield the movie, where it's, like, a CGI. Oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, it really is kind of like Garfield the movie. And, and I mean, uh, I, think, I think there's an article about it on the playlist, but, like, the cinematographer was basically saying like yeah that's the reason why i left the project so it was kind of <laughs> nice to just see him like throw some or take some shots at at the uh at the film because honestly that that movie i i don't even know like what what it's about i have no sense of the world all i see are like roads grass sonic like just going around jim carrey just slowly transitioning into robotnik and um yeah, I I have no idea what that what that trailer is, but uh as we've seen recently, like they're they're going to switch up the design of Sonic. They are. Yeah, so they they announced pretty much after the trailer dropped and then I think both fans cried foul over the look of sonic where he's got like human teeth and it just something about it doesn't look right <laughs> yeah. uh but then not only that but maybe maybe people who are a little bit more fair weather or don't have enough interest or just general like film geeks on twitter or facebook or whatnot just memed the movie to, oh, to yeah. death just like all over the place and so they have announced that they are going to go to uh great lengths before it's release in i think october november it's it's a fall release somewhere yeah um that they're gonna completely rehaul the character and uh make it look more like the sega games which like i i i don't know i i'm i'm a little bit of a uh all these <laughs> computer uh graphic artists are gonna have to like work overtime to yeah. make that happen and it's like kind of depressing and also like okay maybe you make him look more like song of the hedgehog but 
is that going to change the quality of the movie? By the it's not going to fix anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just going to make him more aesthetically pleasing to look at. But yeah, at, at its core, the movie is going to be what it's going to be. So you know, they can they can try and dump more money into that, or have these you know digital artists work overtime, which is which is horrible, by the way. Especially. Mm-hmm. For a film like Sonic, too, it's like, ah, oh, gosh, come on, guys. Um, you should have just done it from the get-go, truthfully. But yeah, I, I'm like of two mindsets for the are uh, for this. Like, I like the fact that they listened in this particular case because it it was just so bad. Like, I, I it was baffling. It looked like like someone wearing like a Sonic the Hedgehog like tracksuit or something like that. It didn't it didn't even look. It looked like too human, I guess. It was it was really weird. Um, so, like in this particular instance, I like that they are making this change. But on the other side, uh, it's kind of scary the power that the internet has over something like that. The fact that you know they can now if they don't like something, they can cry about it and potentially dictate a change. Um, you know, there you can you can count the numbers, the numerous amount of times that's happened where the people have cried out about something they didn't like, like the Ben Affleck casting as Batman, um, uh, Daniel Craig casting as James Bond, Heath Ledger casting as the Joker, and those things just happened to turn out right. Um, but you know, had they listened to the to the backlash of it, we we never would have gotten those great performances. And so it's it's something where like it, it's a fine line, and I think in this this case they probably made the right move but it does get me a little uneasy i don't want this to set a precedent moving forward yeah i i agree with that 100 percent because that it would be like you don't know if you're gonna like something until it happens right it's yeah. like those performances and hell that even goes back like even pre-internet days goes to michael keaton's casting yeah in in the tim burton batman like all all those sort of like fans were like what really that you know so and that worked yeah. out great and same with those performances i mean at the very least in this case they're just changing a design but it's still like oh you cried hard enough and now you're getting your way, and so it's like uh, that's that's a little like bit of a spoiled brat mentality that I oh, don't, but yeah. don't want I don't to like happen. That. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> no. Um, speaking of spoiled brat mentality, <laughs> we have one other piece of news to talk about. I know. <laughs> what I... a segue! I you really just that was perfect, perfect setup. <laughs> I had to do it. It was it was yeah. you, you teed it up for me, and I just had to knock it out of the park. Um, if you were on twitter last night uh like griffin and i were coming out of our respective movie screenings uh you will have discovered that uh director joe carnahan um who's got a new movie out that i think he just wrote and produced he didn't direct it this uh yeah he was he wasn't even the sole writer i think he was a co-writer correct i think you're right i have to i might have to look that up as we're discussing it but it's this movie el chicano or el chicano Sorry for the mispronunciation, um, but I know it's like a Latinx uh, superhero movie, and it's getting um, it's not getting great reviews. But so Joe Carnahan decided uh, drunkenly to take to Twitter and dunk on writers for their reviews and dunk on them for uh, you know you can't criticize something unless you make a film yourself or stuff like that, which is strange because that precedent seems to be being set this week in regards to other artists too. I know, I think Kit Harrington has mentioned something 
yeah, about that in regards yeah. to Game of Thrones. I know Lizzo so, has said something about well, that. And the, the, the cinematographer for Game of Thrones, even. That's right. You're right about the, the episode last week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there, there just seems to be this sort of like accumulation of artists saying, like, trying to be be combative about criticism and it just sort of swirled into this apex last night which i think resulted in joe carnahan deleting his twitter account if i'm yeah, not mistaken he, he deleted uh, it yeah uh which i'm i'm pretty disappointed like in this behavior for many reasons uh but one of them i think the most disappointing of all is he came out and basically said he was trying to stir up uh, publicity for this movie and, you know, kind of adhering to the any any publicity is good publicity, good or bad, um, which is like that's, you know, that's kind of the marketer's job of your movie. <laughs> not to, it's not your job to go just like make fun of people for doing their job and writing a review of your movie. So it, yeah. it was a pretty, pretty kind of despicable and disheartening act, if I if I have to say. Yeah, it was. um I mean, it was a big WTF. I just went on, yeah, like you said, I went on Twitter last night. I just saw him having this just colossal meltdown. I, I don't, I, I assume he was drunk. I don't know if that's that was actually confirmed or whether that's what they're saying to try and cover it up. But, I, I mean, he was just like viciously attacking these writers, or it wasn't even just like writers. It was anyone who had anything negative to say about his film, which is not the mentality you you have to have. Like you put art out into the world naturally you you are going to have to expect some form of criticism like that is just the way it works i'm and if you have that thin skin probably shouldn't be in the business um but it just just the way he was going after people was was so unprofessional and it really just made me take a step back and appreciate you know filmmakers like ryan johnson like scott derrickson who are so open um about their their love of the community and just will like let stuff like kind of just roll off their shoulders, especially Ryan Johnson. My God, the, the amount of harassment that man has taken and he hasn't had a Twitter meltdown like that. It just, it says a lot about someone's character and uh, I, clearly Joe Carnahan is just nothing more than an asshole. Uh, like it, truthfully. And um, it's, it's a shame because I, I mean, granted, he really hasn't done anything great in some time. So <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I like the gray, but like even that, that's like his best work. And to, so just to see someone like him come out and, and throw a temper tantrum for lack of a better uh, term, it's just kind of like, well, why? Like, you, you know, this isn't the norm. Like, this isn't un out of the norm for you. You usually make stuff that isn't, you know, uh, well regarded. So it, I, I, I don't know. I was very, very disappointed to see that. And it's like you said, it's on top of all of this, like attacking on like film criticism and and um, and writers and stuff like that who already get it enough from just the trolls on the Internet, you know, um, where they're like sent death threats on a daily or basis for, for having a different opinion about like the DC films or the Marvel films. And it's just it's a real head scratcher. So um, and, and I mean, like his comments basically saying that criticism isn't an art form is just totally, totally off base. I mean, good arts can coincide with with good constructive criticism and they they both complement each other in in a very poetic way and so i he was yeah it it was just really disgusting to to read 
Absolutely. And to and, and at its best, like you're you're right, it does go hand in hand, constructive criticism and the art. And to your point about once you make something and it's out there in the world, it's it's also like the difference of uh it's out there and people have their own interpretation of something. It's like director's intent versus what you get out of the movie. And yeah, sometimes and yeah. that and that doesn't always line up, and that's okay. Like even some of the greatest movies I know like Blade Runner, for example, is like one of the biggest like point of contentions where Ridley Scott's like Deckard is a replicant, and some people are like, ah, I don't see it that way, and mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like your experience is the thing you view, and that's our job to talk about it and uh, just to have what seems to be a very like clear like that's what happens for somebody to have such a fundamental misunderstanding of that is like and, and in a pretty uh, childish manner in no less is is a. Uh, pretty pretty rough yeah well and the other thing i mean his comment about most you know uh writers and critics who don't you know they've never made a movie in their life they don't understand the process well that's actually really not true i most if you talk to any of the good um you know pundits or critics or whatnot they most of them have had a foot in film in some form or another whether it be through an education in college um, or it be through you, you know them actually producing their own work uh, on the side like so so this this i this idea that that you know we have no idea how filmmaking works and we're just sitting there picking apart art for the sake of picking apart art and just shitting on it for the sake of shitting on it is just completely false that's that's so not true um in fact if you want any sort of credibility i would argue um writing wise and or just you know discussing filmmaking you it's it's almost required that you uh know these things so for him to just say that it's just like where are you getting that information from exactly yes and anyone who's worked on a film knows that it's difficult it doesn't matter if it's two hundred dollars is the budget or two hundred million like it's incredibly difficult and that's something that's like shown up front like we understand that like it is difficult like it's not like we're dunking on your hard work but it's just like again there's there's to have that misunderstanding is just completely baffling to me yeah absolutely all right well i think we've spent enough time (laughs) burning that uh let's (laughs) let's let's put that let's just put that in the in the burn pile and and never speak of it again yeah Uh, until the next until the next blow up in which case then we have to talk about it again um let's let's move on let's move on to our review uh here for long shot um which debuted at south by southwest to very strong reviews yours included that you wrote yes. for the playlist.net yep. which i believe was pulled for was it a tv spot or a trailer I mean, i'm gonna be honest i don't even know what it was pulled it was like pulled for a i think it was just like a marketing image it was just on top of a picture of charlie's theron and they, they like posted it to their social media accounts so i don't actually know if it was featured in a tv spot or anything i haven't seen all of the tv spots but it was that, that was pretty cool because i i love the film Absolutely, and and which congrats by the way on that for getting you. getting that. Uh, you yeah. saw well, it. Hey, congrats to you! You got pulled for the beach bomb. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that was a pretty successful South by for for team playlist mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but a day to be at South by to Raptors reviews and a post Boys to Men concert, uh, which I regret with all of my life not going <laughs> to was, that. <laughs> yeah, it was something else. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, but it's the latest film uh, from Jonathan Levine. Uh, this is, I believe, the third team up with Seth Rogen. They previously yeah. worked together on 50-50 and The Night Before. Um, 
but it stars Seth Rogen as a journalist who ends up becoming a speechwriter for the Secretary of State, played by Charlize Theron. Uh, they have a they have a past. They've known each other from the past, and and it blossoms into a uh, you know a pretty pretty warm hearted romantic comedy. Um, as I mentioned, uh, your review as is at theplaylist.net. People can go check that out. But uh, I want to at least ask you, well, I guess you already said it, but why do you love the film? <laughs> well, well, I think it's because, um, so I, I, I'm a sucker for, for a good rom-com. And I'm, I mean, even, even more of a sucker for just like a good comedy in general. And this was both. It did, this is a film, um, and you don't usually get this a lot, but it balances both sides of the romantic comedy so well. It balances the romance very well, um, and it balances the comedy extremely well. I thought the consistency of the laughs and how they were able to spread them out while maintain like the sincerity of the romance is not something you always get in a romantic comedy. So I, I love that. And and it all comes down to Jonathan Levine's direction. Um, but also uh, uh, Charlize Theron and uh, Seth Rogen's chemistry and performance. I, I, I thought they they both felt like like real people, uh, and you felt like a genuine connection between them. And and something else that I liked was that it wasn't an instant spark. Like it took some time to get those wheels kind of moving. Um, and when they started spending more time together, and and uh, you know he Seth Rogen gets hired on as her speechwriter. Um, you you really see them gravitate towards one another, and so I I just I thought that was so beautiful, um, and and excellently done. But the other part of it that I liked, on top of it just you know being a, a well balanced romantic comedy, was how um how on point the political commentary was uh, in in the film. It's it's very much a political satire, and I I'd go as far as to say that it's the first real. Um, political satire of the the Trump era. Uh, it's it's depicting politics in a way that you know we haven't seen on film before, and so I, I it's it's interesting in that regard. Um, you know, we we've seen a lot of like uh, you know Trump spoofs on TV and such like that, but they're but that's what they are. They're they're spoofs or they're parodies. Whereas like this film. It takes it takes more of a thoughtful approach. Um, I I mean I even got to speak with Jonathan Levine and he was saying that um, Bob Odenkirk who plays the 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 president he's like a TV star turned president which I thought was a great touch. He's got the um he's got this natural charisma of Ronald Reagan but he's got like the dumb sweetness of George W. Bush so he's not like this. Um, but but then he's also he also has the uh, you know the life. I guess of like the Donald Trump, the TV star turned president. So he's like not specifically just a spoof on Trump. He's kind of like an amalgamation of other uh, political leaders. And so he's not, I, I guess you could say like a complete villain in this regard. Um, so that was interesting. And then also how they, they tackled uh, being able to have political differences, but find commonality among those differences. I, I thought that was incredibly powerful and and something that was that's needed um in such divisive times and and so they were in by doing so they were able to you know lighten the mood when they're bringing uh such tense subject matter like that to to the forefront and um i i it really just comes down to everything they were able to do on top of being just like a a solid romantic comedy uh that 
had a believable romance, was sincere, and then brought the comedy when it needed to in some of the funniest uh, jokes I've, I've seen, uh, seen in a little bit. So, that yeah, I, it was just a delight. Totally. I, I think I might be not quite as high on the movie. Um, I, I, I think I in in my mind, even after watching it last night, it has grown a little bit. And even, and li- even listening to you speak about it has, like, helped me unpack it a little bit because uh-huh, like there we go <laughs> it has because like one one of the things that uh i thought um and that's i'm glad you mentioned um talking to jonathan levine and what he mentioned about like the sort of amalgamation and that's one other thing that's interesting about the movie is like it's 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 clear in terms of like uh who some villains are anyway like it's clear but it's like it's relatively apolitical like mm-hmm. we don't know like what political party this president is part of um we i maybe maybe charlie's character's uh involvement in cabinet would lean towards democrat but we don't mm-hmm. uh, we don't know it's it's really apolitical but a lot of that stuff didn't work for me as much as it did for you but i do like that idea of like not being a straight trump parody but like but tackling on this stuff and frankly even though this fictional president is kind of a dimwit he, he would he's still less malicious than the one we have currently in reality oh my God, so yeah. <laughs> so it's like i was like oh man this guy's an idiot but i would actually still take him over what we have going right now <laughs> yeah, which is just kind of funny yeah and then you have the uh the sort of like rupert murdoch sur- surrogate for the movie too oh uh, yes play- i yeah yeah played oh by andy circus who i didn't even know until the credits rolled that that was the case he's Same. <laughs> he's under uh, he's no no motion capture this time but he's under like very heavy heavy makeup um and that sort of sets the plot in motion of the movie his that he's basically the rupert murdoch like there's it's very clear his company is a, like fox news type and they buy the newspaper that fred mm-hmm. flarsky uh Seth Rogen's character works for and and um that's one thing I really liked about it is like characters holding on to their beliefs but finding common ground which you kind of said already of this yeah, like yeah, yeah. this idea of like some very strong-willed people um but at, like you know learning like hey like even though I have these views even though I I hold strongly to them I sometimes you do have to bend a little bit sometimes you do have to play the game as much as that well, sucks yeah you absolutely. have to do it well, and there's a, there's a, and so there's one conversation in particular that really illustrates this, and I, I won't get into spoilers, but one character finds something out about another character, and it causes the the original character to just kind of lose his cool because he thought he was something else. Um, and, and in so doing, they come to this realization that listen, you can be of of opposing worldviews. You can you can have a set of core beliefs, but that doesn't make you a bad person um and so it's it's a lesson that one of the characters has to learn especially since that character has had a uh, a tendency to, to constantly call people out for for just doing stuff but it, but never really checked himself and so uh that was that was something that i i thoroughly enjoyed and i thought it was it was incredibly timely um but something else that i that i loved about the film was it, it really feels like Levine was drawing on drawing from like people like Frank Capra, like Billy Wilder and um, Ernst Lubitsch, which he did actually say he was drawing um, from them, uh, especially Lubitsch uh, in, in regards to his film uh, To Be or Not To Be. He said he went back to that. Um, and I, I'm going to pull a quote here from the interview that I actually had because I, th- I think this is really um, 
it it's just kind of interesting. He said if you if you look at to be or not to be the Lubitsch movie, um, which is set against the backdrop of World War II, they don't waste a lot of time complaining about Hitler. Uh, he is something that exists and such. Um, there's enough real estate to calibrate a tone that is sweet and funny, yet also has some teeth. And I think that's really su- that really sums up Longshot in a nutshell. It's they don't they don't waste time complaining about the uh, current environment of you know politics they just they just set it during that time and they're they're able to you know see how the characters interact in it so that was another thing that i that i loved that's great and i want i actually want to watch it again with that sort of frame of mind just because i do think in terms of like late uh political satire as of late uh, we're so sort of programmed to that being the forefront of the movie, I think, mm. or, or the show. Tell, like, I think of like Armando Anucci's work, for example, that like that's mm-hmm. sort of like exactly what it's about. Um, so, like, having to sort of recalibrate your brain to be to to those films, the Lubitsch film, uh, to to be or not to be, um, I I think would be something I'd like to watch with like that pair of eyes. Cause that's something I didn't even really consider watching it. But as you're sitting here saying it, that makes complete and utter sense. Um, so I definitely want to watch it again with that in mind. But the, the one thing um, that I, that I truly love this movie top to bottom is the casting throughout and not, mm-hmm. not just, not just Rogan and Theron who I think have like amazing comedic chemistry. And I'm, and I'm also kind of miffed and I, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking other people's takes, but um when people say that they're so surprised about Charlie's Theron's comic timing. And I'm like, I mean, it's, she's always been pretty great. Like in, I mean, pretty much everything, but I mean, mm-hmm. she's been in like Jason Reitman's best comedies in my mind. Anyway, our, our young adult or best movies overall are young adult and Tully, which are not broad comedies, but they have like comedic edge to them. And she's terrific in those movies. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a little yeah. like surprised by that, but she's, she's, incredible in the movie like i mean i guess for example i, I again I'll, I'll kind of toe around spoilers at, as you did but there's a scene that involves a hostage negotiation <laughs> and it's uh the sort of framework for it is pretty typical of like a um seth rogan evan goldberg um scene i will just we'll just say it involves drugs let's just say that like it's <laughs> oh, yeah, it, that, yeah. It, it pretty much like you know that's that's a standard rogan goldberg thing like almost every movie they have has like some sort of like drug trip scene and it could have gone so wrong in so many ways and charlie's just absolutely owns the moment owns the scene um the the audience i saw it with last night at just like a seven thirty show were like applauding at that moment and it, and that doesn't happen at like a general showing like you expect that at like you know like south by or something like that or or any sure. sort of film festival uh or or maybe like at a you know like avengers endgame or something but like for a, a mid-budget romantic comedy for the audience to just break out into cheers was like okay we're in good company here um but i think everyone uh from top to bottom is pretty great you have o'Shea jackson jr um who just continues to to prove that he's you know not just ice cube son um he he's really broken out of that like even though he was great and straight out of compton like between this and angry goes west he's like proven himself to be fantastic uh i love june diane rayfield in this movie as well mm. and I, yeah. I was i was very excited to see her get like a pretty substantial role and the, the sort of exploration of uh the sort of like cycle of bullshit that goes through politics, like not just, <laughs> not just outwardly to us, but even 
in their inner circle. Um, I, I won't spoil this, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, they're into their own BS. And I think yep, that's, yep. that's just like, I, I think it gets that like uh, a campaign trail is almost like a, like a concert tour or like a press, you know, for, for a movie where it's just like, you're on the road and you're just tired. And I feel like it gets to that pretty strongly as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree though. No, that's um, I mean, just kind of going back to the, uh, y- you know, how on, how on point this film is in terms of its uh, tackling of, you know, politics and stuff like that, especially in today's climate. I just, I, I loved, loved every bit of that. But going back to Charlize, um, it's interesting because I, I, I never thought it was that much of a, you know, no pun intended, long shot that she would be good at uh, comedy just because you're right. Some of the stuff she's done in Reitman's films, she, she definitely has that timing to her. And I think there was a, was it a show or a film? It was called Young Adults that she was in, or something like that. Oh yeah, it's the the Reitman movie. Uh, it's actually my favorite Jason Reitman movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That that one in particular, um, where you know she sh- that's probably the the most we've really seen of her uh, comedic chops uh, until this film. And so like yeah, it was definitely there, but I'd never seen her like in this sort of a comedy, like at a like at a straight up like you know like raunchy Seth Rogen. Uh, comedy and so that and so see how she, she was able to adapt to that and and play off of literally everyone was was incredible she i i don't want to say she surprised me but she just really impressed me i guess same yeah no she she impressed the hell out of me i think she comes away the strongest i mean and and but i don't even want to like take away from seth rogan either because yeah. i know i you know you he occasionally could be accused of, I guess, maybe just playing Seth Rogen every time. Mm -hmm. But I think there's, but what him and Goldberg do so well, um, consistently, this has been consistent across all of their movies, even up to, uh, even good boys, which they produce. That's not even out yet. Um, that Mm -hmm. I know that's going to be talked on this podcast later in the summer, but it's like, even in its, Week, even if something doesn't work, even if something in the foreground is not quite working, there's just such an inherent sweetness to their movies. There's such an yeah. inherent, like at their core, that you know that you're you're in good hands, and you're not watching like you're watching things that are like crude and profane, but you're not watching things that are like crass. Like they're they're just inherently sweet, and um and this movie, hundred percent fits in that mold. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I'll say about Rogan in this film uh, is that, yeah, he's funny and I can see how people would say, oh, he's kind of playing the typical Seth Rogan character that he always plays in his films. But I I would kind of push back on that and say that I I think he's toned down quite a bit in this. He actually feels like a real person, Um, like like one of those super antagonistic journalists. and so, like, yeah, he plays into it, and he's got, like, the typical comedy beats, but uh, at, at the same time, there's there's a heart to that character, which I think is also what separates this film from the typical Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg comedies, which is that it it has a little bit more of a, of a genuine heart to it. Uh, not that those other films don't, but this one a little bit more so. Yeah, agreed. I would actually, I would compare this performance to his performance in something like Steve Jobs. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where, where it's like, uh, you know, he, he's playing a fully fussed character. Yes. He's funny. Yes. He, he's not like trying to do like, uh, like for that movie example, like he wasn't trying to do like uh, Steve Wozniak's voice or anything like that, but he was able to sort of embody and this in, in this movie, I think he, like you said, he embodies that kind of sort of a, uh, 
gotcha journalist i would say yeah yeah, <laughs> very, gotcha. very... yeah that's exactly what it is the gotcha journalist yeah he embodies that type really well where it's like strong strong-willed abrasive um but also like has these like insecurities deep down as well um yes. and, and they yeah. feed into each other well and like the what i love about it too you mentioned this already how it like it plays both genders extremely well and it shows that like um that people aren't what you know this sounds cliche but like that they're not what you see exactly on the outside like you like the grass is always greener sort of thing like seth rogan's like oh you know you're you're secretary of state you have this all like you have it made you're one of the most influential influential powerful people in the world and the Charlie's character is like, ah, oh, yeah, but sometimes I would like to just, you know, maybe take a break, maybe just go <laughs> do something that that where I'm there's not an eye on me at all mm-hmm. times. And so, mm-hmm. like, I thought that that was also fascinating. Of like, hey, these people aren't like they're very good at what they do, but they're not like entirely happy in what they do either. Yeah, yeah, and that's why their bond together grows stronger because they can find that happiness you know, with each other. So I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And, and the movie's like a tricky tone too, because like you have, all yeah. the, like you, cause you have all the political stuff, like as, as we mentioned up front and then you have the sort of sweet romantic comedy stuff. And then you have like really, and they work somehow yeah. these like broad moments of slapstick. Like there's like these really, really, uh, I mean, there, there's a, like Seth Rogen's character is constantly like he, jumps out a window at one point in the movie yeah. gets really injured and he trips over the stairs it's like something you'd see in 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 like a, a even broader comedy uh and yet they somehow work because they're just uh they're character driven and their decisions made by the character in that moment that felt like that was the way to do it um, yeah well and i think that that just goes back to to levine in general because it's and and he touched a bit on this um, when I was speaking to him, but it, he's no stranger to like genre bending um, films. And so he said he, he basically learned all of his lessons on previous films, and he he knew exactly how to ride that line. And so when he got to long shot, they they kind of had like a um, a formula down. But yeah, I mean, you look at something like Warm Bodies, which is a cancer comedy, or I'm sorry, not that's that's a zombie romance. Um, and then you look at something like Fifty uh, Fifty, which is a which is a cancer comedy. It's like they're they're all riding these these really fine lines, and like if anything were to go wrong, it would teeter off and and ultimately kind of derail the film. But I I, I think because he just inherently likes challenging himself, um, and and he's used to it at this point, he's able to do such a complex uh, amalgamation of, of different styles and tones, um, to to give us, you know, a really good movie. Absolutely. And and he understands character so strongly. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's also I, I think that's why, you know, it, it's it's almost like it, it's been a good muse that like Levine has found Rogan and Goldberg and vice versa. Like, uh, I mean, granted, because even like because uh, Levine's movies, even without their involvement like you already mentioned warm bodies which i think is a pretty underrated movie actually like i remember it's it's fine yeah i don't mind it yeah i i I remember being surprised by it because i had Mm -hmm. like because i think it's like a ya novel so i had like no just just no interest in it and then i saw it and went oh that was pretty good um and i like the wackiness from like i think 10 years ago now but like his movies too also have that like sort of sweet center to them and these like characters that are rooted in the situation so that wow he 
is challenging himself and trying to take that sort of different genre tightrope uh he's laid himself a foundation in his characters and so that way if i haven't really seen this happen with his movies but if his tightrope were to not to tip one way or the other or go kind of out of balance he's at least has a solid foundation yeah well i absolutely i think you hit the nail on the head there and the i I think one of the things that contributes to it is and i also found this out through talking to him is he's he's just you know inherently a romantic and so i mean he said it's just kind of like in his dna and he just inherently brings that to the table um and it's it's how he's able to cultivate these these incredible like these these genuine and real life relationships, which it's not something you see in a lot of filmmakers. He really gets, um, he, he really knows how to show, you know, two people falling in love, friends coming together to help one another in like the, the night before or, or whatever. He just, he gets people in a way that not a lot of filmmakers do. Agreed. Totally. Um, another thing I, I at least want to point out, and it's, it's almost simultaneously both a, uh, Goldberg and Rogan and a Levine trait is uh, the music choices uh, are so strong in this movie. Like it's, it's, it, it takes me out of the movie when I hear it, not necessarily a bad song, but a song ill suited for the scene or the moment or, or it clashes with the tone of the movie and they just know exactly what song to play at any given in time. And they don't, it's not like they're doing deep cuts, but they also don't go for like the most obvious song choice. For example, like people know word up, but it's not like the most like obvious choice. Um, and then they also use my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. So I'm just like, okay, you, you've won me over. (laughs) Like I was, I was mostly in, but like, okay, now you've won me over. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the, you're right. The soundtrack is so on point, not, not only in this movie, but in really all of their films, but specifically in this one, the use of boys to men was, was great. Uh, and, and I always love how they got to throw in like a con a mini concert in, in there. Uh, you know, they had like, uh, the Backstreet Boys and This Is The End. They had Miley Cyrus the night before. So it's, it's, it's always like a fun little highlight. And yet the music, like you said, doesn't, detract from anything else that's going on and so Mm -hmm. yeah i i I always i always enjoy their their song selection they're they they do a great job with it and then the artist of course getting a uh whenever the artist can get like a good zinger like a good one-liner in there also which (laughs) which they definitely do in this movie um i'm trying to think is there um i i feel like i've exhausted a lot of the things that i was going to say but i do, do you have anything that you uh that you want to say that you haven't said yet. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I'll say, I mean, I've been gushing over this movie, so it's only fair that I, that I bring up some of the, the some of the shortcomings of it. I, I think, you know, and, and I've seen this from a lot of people who have seen the film already, uh, just like general audiences, they they feel like, oh, it's it's nothing special. It's just like a Seth Rogen studio comedy, which I, I kind of get that mindset. I, it does play into some of the more studio comedy tropes, but it does so in winning fashion. So I can't, so it doesn't necessarily bother me in particular, but I do. I can understand why someone might walk away and just say, "Oh, that was cute. It was just a good Seth Rogen studio com or studio romantic comedy." Um, and then, you know, as is to be expected in in these, uh, you know, the Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg films, they 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 do you know reach for low hanging fruit every now and then. And like you mentioned earlier, they go for those those 
crude jokes and sometimes very crude jokes. Yes. Uh, but I, I think it really does work in this one. And so once again, that's just something that I didn't really, it didn't bother me. So I, I don't know if you had kind of a similar reception to those uh, elements, but. Oh, no, I, I, it didn't, none of those really bothered me. I think the only thing that's like, you know, I, I think the thing that I found most shocking on my end is like, despite the fact that it's so smart about his character, despite the fact that it's so, uh, that the performances are great all the way around and that he took so much care on this. Um, I didn't, I probably didn't laugh as much as I thought I was going to. Mm. I, I thought the movie, again, I thought the movie was super sweet. I thought the performances are, are incredibly winning. Uh, Rogan and Theron, especially their chemistry, just outstanding. And I would love to watch them in another movie sooner rather than later. But uh, I just, I just didn't quite, and I don't know what it was necessarily. Um, but it just the the jokes didn't land with me as much as they have in other films. But it it more than made up for it with the with sort of like how good everything else was about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're saying that uh, Captain Crunch's grinder date didn't get you? Oh, I mean that was <laughs> that was pretty outstanding. There there are moments where I busted up laughing, just just yeah. like embarrassingly loud cackles. Like it just, uh, but it wasn't as uh, I guess frequent. But again, I'm not going to fault that if oh because, no 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 yeah because if I care if I care about the characters and I care about the situations that's happening that's all that matters. So it's yeah. like, yeah, exactly. And comedy subjective, right? It's like the hardest thing to even review. I'm impressed that we're, we've gotten like 30 minutes of discussion out of it. Yeah, it's, no, it but you're, you're right. It is. But I, but I think that's also just a testament to how, I mean, maybe this, maybe this is going to be a very pretentious statement, but it kind of transcends just your typical comedy genre because as we've been talking about with Levine, he builds that foundation of, of genuine uh, heart and emotion with great characters, relatable people. Um, and so he has that foundation built. So like, even if like in your case, even if some of the comedy doesn't necessarily work, it's still a good story. And that's ultimately the most important thing. Exactly. Yeah. It, that, that comes first. Cause it's like, if, if that doesn't work and you're not funny, then <laughs> you're just, <laughs> yeah, then, then you've got a bad movie on your hands. Exactly. And it's, it's so, and there's nothing worse than sitting through a bad comedy. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that's that is that's pain. It's it's pain. It's but, pain. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I I ultimately yeah I, I I think Rogan and Theron are like really just just I know we've we've sort of belabored that point, but they're they're just outstanding in this movie. They are. They yeah. they absolutely are. I, I mean, you can't say it enough. They're just. <laughs> they're excellent absolutely uh do you have any final thoughts on long shot or, or do you think it's probably safe that we could wrap this up um final thoughts go see it I, it's not tracking for for a lot of money this weekend i know there's still that behemoth uh you know avengers endgame that's dominating the box office but if you've seen endgame consider go seeing long shot it's a nice palate cleanser and also um, you know, when good romantic comedy movies like this come out, we should go support them, you know, because we want more quality films like this made, especially from a studio, you know, and, and so uh, I, I'm I'm a little disheartened by how it's tracking, but hopefully that changes. So agreed. And I, I, that's that's one thing. Maybe maybe like my final thought, because I, I agree. Go see it. It, it is a lot of fun, um, but uh, sort of. 
it's hard to get people to go out and see these kind of movies anymore. And it's like, you know, I know people like you and me champion these kind of films and, you mm-hmm. know, want that theatrical experience to remain. But I know so many people for like a, oh, it's Seth Rogen comedy. I'll just wait for Netflix. Like, yeah, yeah but but like comedy, it, when a comedy works and you see it with a crowd, there's no better feeling and it heightens your experience of watching the movie. Absolutely. There's nothing better than watching comedies with other people. I mean, like seriously, like you, you watch a comedy at home by yourself. Yeah. You're going to laugh, but it's something about that experience where like someone starts laughing and then their laugh kind of like gets you laughing and you're like, Oh wow. This moment was a lot funnier than I thought it was. It's I, that that's my favorite part about seeing comedies you know, I either at the theater with, or with a group of friends is just because that truly is a communal experience. Exactly. And you just, you can't get that at home. So no, you can't. So no, go, go see it, go watch it. Um, especially if you live by like a draft house or a Cinnabar, like this is good to have a beer or two movie and watch it. it is. Yeah. I'll second that one. It is a great, have a beer or two movie. Yes. So please, please check it out. Um, Griffin, thank you so much for coming on this episode, man. I really like this was a great chat. And uh, yeah. hope, um, where can we find more of you online? Yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for for having me on. It, it's uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you about you know such a great film, but just having a conversation in general. Um, yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter at Griff Schiller. Uh, and you know, you can take a look at my review of long shot. I have that up on the playlist. And, um, if you're curious to see what I do outside of the playlist, I do run a YouTube channel, men versus movies, where I record my own reviews and whatnot. I should have one up for detective Pikachu. Probably by the time this episode goes up, it'll already be up. So you can go check that out. If you're interested in my, um, my continued thoughts on things. Awesome. Well, be sure to check that out. And once again, if you're listening and you're a fan of this show, we are a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. So be sure to subscribe to us via iTunes, via SoundCloud, Stitcher, however you get your podcasts. You'll get this show as well as our other shows like Adjust Your Tracking, Be Real, Indie Beats, uh, whatever your jam is, we have you covered. Uh, Thank you again, Griffin. And thank you to our listeners. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Watching you kiss her, oh.